Um, Steve and I recently were at a, a hockey game at the um, Abbotsford Sports Arena, and the land acknowledgement they do there, I'm really trying to get hold of. It's really incredible. It's the best that we've heard. It's actually incredibly moving. I haven't been able to get my hands on that yet, but I'm going to try so that we can all hear it. Um, but this is one that um, Sarah's helped me adapt from... Sarah, where did we go? Trinity Western. Um, so, since time immemorial, the land has been home to indigenous peoples. The building in which we are gathering today is on the traditional ancestral unceded territory of the Semi-Amu, Stolo, and Kwantlen peoples. Our land acknowledgement is respectfully honoring our relationship with indigenous people. It is acknowledging our shared history, our present relationship, and our commitment to walk together in a good way. In Stolo teachings, the land is a gifted inheritance from our ancestors with a responsibility to gift to future generations. Unceded means that Stolo people have never ceded or surrendered title to these lands, their rights to resources, or their authority to make decisions within this territory. Our shared history reveals a broken relationship. But as all Canadians commit to hear the truth, to acknowledge that injustice has prevailed and learn to walk together, we hope to find ways to reconcile so that all of our lives may be enriched. It's very moving. Anyway, my name is Karen. I haven't actually done this for a while, so if you hear anything creaking, it's the rust and the unoiled joints. <laughs> uh, but it's lovely to see you all here today, and uh, you are very welcome to the bridge, where you, whether you've been coming for years or this is your first time finding out who we are. So you're very welcome. Um, we're actually going to take a bit of a turn uh, today, a bit of a change from the lectionary passages that as a church we normally follow. And that's going to happen for the next six weeks in small groups. And it's going to be based on a book called Love Matters. Um, but there's going to be more on that to come this morning. So Sarah and Eden, if you'd like to come up. Who's coming up? Oh, are, are you starting? So even though Eden's chatting, we'll pray for her. Yeah. <laughs> so Father, thank you for uh, this moment when we can uh, hear what Eden and Sarah have been able to um, get down on paper, as it were, to share with us. And I pray, Father, that you bless Sarah uh, in all that she's prepared and that you would open up um, her words into our hearts so that we may learn more about you. Um, and I pray your blessing over Eden and Sarah as they share with us this morning. Amen. Amen. I, uh, I did advertise this as a three for the price of one message. Karina was going to join us too, but she's homesick. So we've, uh, Eden and I are improvising. We're tag teaming. I'm going to go first. She's going to go second. I'll come back at the end. Yeah, I'll just tidy up whatever, whatever she does. Um, there is Lego at the front here and coloring should anybody so require it. And if um, I, I speak to grown-ups and kids alike, I understand. Um, uh, there's also snacks down there, if that's any enticement in any way whatsoever. Um, this past Friday, oh, now it's changed the, now it's like, ooh, wait, hold on, there's snacks? Hmm. Okay, this past Friday marked Epiphany. I don't know if you noticed. Did you notice? Nope because we're not that kind of church, but really it was Epiphany, um, which marks 12 days after Christmas. So Christmas, it starts day one, and then you count 12 days, and then you get to uh, January 5th, and then January 6th, the wise men appear. Ooh. Um, 
So on Friday, Karen and I took down Christmas decorations. Uh, we played Christmas carols very loudly, um, sung along. Um, we left the lights up because, oh gosh, it's dark and it's wet. And lights and twinkle is needed. Epiphany is the feast of the wise men. And their place in the story inserts the whole world into the story. Up until that point, until they arrive, it's been a particularly Jewish affair with a few angels and a couple of animals thrown in for fun, but mostly Jewish. When the wise men arrive, the rest of the world is invited to the party. The Magi come and the tradition has them representing three very distinct people groups. And we take from that symbolism that it expands everything to invite everyone from everywhere to come to. We are all invited to approach the Christ child with the, with the wise men. I always set my little wise men people off on Christmas Day. And then they have a little trek around the house. There they were. Okay, so the problem this year was that I could only actually find two wise men in the set that I was opening. Um, I actually subsequently found the third wise men when I was putting it all away. But anyhow, I only found the two. So I recruited R2-D2 to help. Uh, and C-3PO, sorry. And then R2-D2 joined. And then, and then Stormtrooper. And then finally, when we get there, it was a very silly journey. Anyway... Uh, the post on the last day for the journey was like this. Happy Epiphany. They came to the place where the baby lay and gave their gifts. The more violent among them lay down their weapons. Because obviously I had stormtroopers with guns and things. And there was a lightsaber and it was getting messy. So I was like, everybody has to put their guns down. So let's have the last picture when they get there. Uh, where they, one more. There they are. Everybody laid their things down. Um, and thus the Christmas season ended. My brother responded to this post and it made me laugh so hard. Okay, this was his response. Um, the comment Drew made was, an incredible moment of unity between the Empire and the rebels. Peace on Tatooine and goodwill to all droids. <laughs> Which was amazing. It's funny, but he's not wrong peace on earth and goodwill to all people, which was spoken to the shepherds by the angels is expanded to all the people in the presence of the wise men. The wise men brought gifts with them. Legends tell us that it was gold and frankincense and myrrh. Um, and they're curious gifts to give a young family. But prophetically, they speak of kingship and worship and death. <laughs> like little baby, death, not so. Hmm. Oh, well. Um, and they were probably pretty useful as that family had to flee to Egypt. I imagine that gold paid for somewhere to stay. I imagine they could trade the frankincense for food. They were refugees. So the Holy Family was given a gift or two or three to carry with them. And today I want to offer you a gift to carry into the year. Uh, not gold or frankincense or myrrh, sorry. Um, but I have words. Uh, a word that we're going to hand out together at the end. And they're in those little boxes right now. A tradition from very ancient times was for people to go out into the desert to seek out a mystic who had retreated to the desert to find a place to connect with God. When the pilgrim found the mystic, the tradition goes that they would ask them for a word, a word or a phrase that they could carry with them back into the year and just to ponder on in the weeks, months, year, maybe life after it. 
So in the absence of a desert mystic, because you know I hunted around, couldn't find one, um, we will randomly select words from these little boxes right here and ask God to use that word to maybe challenge us or comfort us or encourage us or even maybe just to wrestle with. We'll do them afterwards at the end, so don't panic yet. Um, and as with everything, you are invited to do this if you would like to. You may already have a word for the year and not want another one. That's totally fine. You may have a word for the year and go, ah, I'll take another. And that's cool too. You may go, this is ridiculous. I'm not having one. No. And stay in your seat and that's totally fine as well. You can have or not have. It's up to you. There is no pressure. There is a kid's box and a grown-up box. You may choose to pick from either one of them. But more of that later. Eden, come talk about truth and love and all that good stuff. I might play Lego. So we're, we're a little excited because um, some of you guys have been asking about, you know, will there be home groups at some point? Somewhere where we can meet in between Sundays, um, especially because we don't meet every Sunday. And um, the answer now is yes. Um, Wow. Excellent. Um, so we're going we're gonna, to um, do a series called Love Matters More. And you don't actually have to read the book. There's videos you're going to watch within the home group, and then there's discussion time. And we have um, five different possible groups that you can join in on. And um, there's one just for our Zoomers who can't be here um, in person. Um, that's going to happen Saturday mornings because we're trying to account for some of the time changes, and Sarah's going to be leading that. And then we have four more homes that we are going to have um, the, um, the home groups in, and they will be on different days of the week. Some of them are on the same day. Anyways, you can sign up on our website. Is that right, Sarah? Yeah, on our website, and it will give you all the particulars you need to know. And so we would love to have you um, get on there and sign up so that we know you're going to show up. Um, so Love Matters More, it's a book by Jared Bias. And, um, and today, Sarah and I are just going to do the first, um, kind of use the first chapter as a way for you to understand where the book might be going. I didn't read the rest of the book, so I don't actually know where the re it's going. So, um, you know, we can just hope. So my name is Eden, and it's my joy to be a part of this community, and it's my privilege to be one of the pastors here. And um, that's why I get to talk this morning. I, I realized just the other day that my driver's license says that I've been driving for 43 years. Someone should take my keys from me, I think. I was, um, I was thinking about all the different vehicles that I've driven over the years and how much cars have changed since I first drove my dad's 1969 VW Bug. It was not a wind-up car, no. But it did come, like, it came with a gas pedal, a brake, and a clutch. It had four tires, a steering wheel, 
and the very necessary gear shift. It did not have a radio, defrost, or heat, but it did have a hole that allowed you to see the road below on the passenger side. Extra for that. It had a tiny rearview mirror and one side mirror. Over the years, I've driven every free, everything from that VW to trucks, vans, old man cars, and sportier versions of the car. I remember my old man car, and I refer to that because while I drove that, I had a lot of older men comment on how much they liked my car. It was a Ford 500, for any of you who want to know, gray with a leather interior. That was my first leather and only leather interior. Um, it was the first time I had a backup sensor in a car. And that meant that, you know, as I was backing up and came in proximity to something I might hit, it would begin to beep, 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 beep. And then it was too late. But I thought I'd died and gone to heaven because it was so fantastic. It was almost like bowling with bumper pads. And then came along the backup camera. A nice, big, clear screen that I could just look at while I was backing up in the parking stall. No more straining my neck or having to put my arm around the passenger seat. Uh, seriously liberating. That is until it rains or snows and stuff splashes up on the camera and you go to back up and the image is blurred and you can no longer see where the parking lines are. I want to use this image to share a little truth today. We are part of a faith culture that prides itself on having the truth, speaking the truth, and sharing the truth. We've been led to believe that we have absolute truth and we love nothing better than to swing that truth around like a sword. It seems to me that we have confused being right and having the truth in a way that makes us, that has us taking license with sharing opinions and thoughts as if they are the truth. But being right isn't necessarily a truth and sharing a truth isn't necessarily being right. What is the lens that you use to discover truth? How do you distill truth? How do you share truth in a way that doesn't cause harm to those you are sharing it with? The lens, the backup camera, the filter has to be love. How many of you have ever had a conversation where either you or the other person had something, said something like this, I've, I've got to tell you the truth. This, is, this might hurt, but I'm, I'm doing this out of love. I really love you. How many of you have given your opinion and tried to wrap it up as truth so you could get away with what you were about to say? How many of you have, have felt the slight or the slap, or the backhand of truth as someone used it against you. Truth is not meant to stand alone. Truth is always meant to be coupled and filtered through love. If we can't deliver truth out of genuine love, 
then that truth is not ready to be delivered. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. Saul knew a lot. He had so much certainty that he was killing people with it. Literally. He was so certain of his beliefs that he hunted Christians down to have them stoned. In Philippians, he described how intellectually he knew his, theo his theology better than anyone. Emotionally, he was more zealous for the faith than anyone. And morally, he was faultless. Imagine having that on your resume. Holy cow. Saul was not short of certainty, but he was still wrong. Saul knew something that he equated with truth, but even so, he was woefully wrong. Then Saul meets love, and all his certainty, all his moral, upright, uptight truth, crumbles and he feels grace and mercy and love and he begins to see the truth through the filter of love Romans eleven thirty three. oh how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge how impossible it is for us to understand their decisions and ways for who can know the Lord's thoughts who knows enough to give God advice? And who has given God so much that God would need to repay it back? For everything comes from God and exists by their power and is intended for their glory. All glory to God forever. Amen. This is where Paul demonstrates that he now understands that there's enough truth to guide us but not enough to think that there are no surprises left. Our certainty of knowing the truth is not the equivalent to having great faith. Living in love, speaking with a filter of love, moving in love, that is great faith. Truth is not equivalent to love because God is love. And because love transcends truth, and love expands truth, and love elevates truth to being more than knowing something. When truth is filtered thoroughly through love and not wielded like a sword, it draws those who hear it to a restoration of their hearts. I'll close with a story that happened just last evening. Brad's godfather, David Goa, is visiting us this weekend, and he wanted to take us out for some Thai food. We went to I Am Thai, highly recommended, which is likely one of the smallest restaurants in town. We were seated at a table, and David began to talk to us about a particular group within the Muslim faith. We were likely about 15 minutes into the discussion, and suddenly a woman walked up to our table and said, did I hear you saying the name Ishmaeli? 
And David looked up and said, Yes, I did. Are you Ishmaeli? To which she responded, Yes, I am. We introduced ourselves. She plunked herself down at our table, and we began a conversation, and we learned about her story. There was absolutely no need for us to convince her of our truth or for us to convince her of the fallacies of her faith because she had already been drawn to our table by the loving way David was talking about her people group. She willingly offered her name, her phone number, her website, her email address within minutes. Nobody does that anymore. Even in the moment, it felt sacred. Like, what is happening right now? I believe it was part of the mystery that Paul was talking about in Romans 11. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge, how impossible it is for us to understand their decisions and ways. We don't get backup sensors or backup cameras for our faith. That's our longing for absolute truth that takes the guesswork out of things. And certainty also takes out the beautiful mystery of how God leads. The sacred connection with that lovely couple last night, I can only attribute to divine love and to God's mysterious ways. If you must decide between being right or showing love, I'll tell you this, love matters more. Love Matters More. It's a really fun book. If you, um, if you want to listen to it, it's uh, Jared himself reading it. It's kind of fun. It's always nice when the author reads their own book. It feels like they, they kind of read it with a bit more, I don't know, a bit more authenticity, I guess. I, I mean, narrators do a great job, but the author just has a different-ness about them. Um, I want to read you a little bit from the book. It's from page eight and nine, so it's the first chapter. Because of how their bodies are built, all animals see, hear, and feel the world very differently. The way the buzzard experiences the world will always be different from the way the dolphin experiences the world. The buzzard will see things the dolphin will never be able to see. The dolphin will be able to hear things the buzzard will never be able to hear. And that's true of almost every animal. In fact, it's so common among animals, scientists have come up with a word to help describe it. Umwelt. Fun word. Um, people who study animal behavior, called ethologists, came up with this word to describe the world as it is experienced by a particular organism. The world as it's seen, heard, and felt by a buzzard is its umwelt, and the world as it's experienced by a dolphin is its umwelt. In other words, there's the world as it really exists out there, what we might call reality, and then there's the world as someone or something experiences it, what we call an umwelt. These scientists tell us that those things aren't the same. In other words, there's a significant overlap between the world the dolphin experiences and the world the buzzards experience, but there's a significant distinction too. And neither of one of them fully experiences the world as it really exists out there. Okay, extrapolate that to humans. It's obvious if you stop to think about it for a minute. We all experience the world differently because we come at it with our own bodies that are built differently. We come at it with our stories of culture, place, personality, life experience, language. We all come at everything from our own perspective. 
We can step into another person's shoes and we can imagine what it's like from their point of view, but they aren't our shoes and it is just our imagination. It's not our point of view when we're in even in their shoes. It's still our point of view. It's just where we've got the wrong shoes on. We'd be much better off just listening to what they have to say about how they see it. Because our imagination will always, always be painted with our experience. So I want to encourage curiosity. And I think that's what this book does. It encourage, encourages us to approach the Bible with curiosity and everything else that we experience with curiosity. I want us to imagine that we don't know it all. I mean, just if you do know it all, put it to one side just for six weeks. Um, this six-week small group and this book, if you choose to read it and not attend a group, um, will help us explore how to read the Bible with curiosity. But that's just one way that God is revealed in the world. There is much, much more to explore with curiosity too. I was going back through my morning thoughts, um, which I write down. Sometimes I obliterate them with artwork over the top, but th this past little while I've been drawing something else. So my thoughts have actually been left readable. And uh, I, um, I was going through because I've been writing some poems and I wanted to take them out before I destroy the book. So I was extracting poems and I came across this, uh, this letter that I wrote to my word for last year. Okay, this is a bit odd. I am a bit odd. Um, this, was, uh, this is what I wrote to Curiosity. Dear Curiosity, thank you for hanging around into adulthood. I know we spent much time together when I was a child, but thank you for not drying up, turning off, or leaving. I sometimes meet adults who lost you somewhere along the way in their pursuit of certainty. I'm glad you stuck it out with me and encouraged me to hold on to the place of uncertainty and all the what-ifs. I appreciate your what-if question. It's taken me on many an adventure. I wonder is another great starter for any sentence, and I feel like that's one that you prompt as we explore the world together. You and your friends, inspired and creative, have been my mainstays, and I appreciate that with you that there are endless possibilities. You show me other options, and you point out the incongruous or the absurd, and you always encourage play. Dear Curiosity, I feel like I'd like to keep you for a long, long time, forever if I may. I don't want to settle for I know, but stick with I wonder, and what if, and do you suppose? Those questions and starts feel like the igniters of adventure and, and like trampolines that take my thinking and bounce it off the walls in all directions. My dear curiosity, I enjoyed you as a small child as we explored the world together. I loved you in school, inspiring learning and exploring topics that took my imagination on wonderful journeys. I love you still in learning and in growing as an adult. There is so much I do not know and have not yet seen, and so I'm gonna need you to keep tracking with me. I need you in regards to people too, not just place, places or things or situations. Build my curiosity skills in regards to others. May you always be there to encourage me to ask good questions and really listen to the answer, to help me to read people a little like I read books with so much going on between the lines. And while we're on the subject of books, there's the Bible. I want to always have you by my side as I read the Bible and also as I read what others say about the Bible. Please help me have an open-minded curiosity towards it all. I know that I don't know. I know that I look through my own eyes and with my own story, and I never see the whole picture. Help me never to forget that. Thanks for being my life companion. On to the next adventure. I told you I'm a bit weird. Jesus asked really good questions. I feel like curiosity was a big thing for him too. He often asked questions in response to questions, but on one occasion, he, it seems like he initiated the moment. So here's what he said. Jesus and his disciples were heading out of the villages around Caesarea Philippi, 
As they walked, he asked, who do the people say that I am? Some say John the baptizer, they said. Others say Elijah, still others say one of the prophets. He asked, and you, what are you saying about me? Who am I? Peter gave the answer. You are the Christ, the Messiah. So here's Peter. He's achieved it. He knows who Jesus is. He has had an epiphany. He's had a sudden moment of revelation and insight. Another version of this story says that the Father revealed it to him. Peter is good, right? Everything straight in his mind. Awareness of who the Christ has been loaded. Peter has leveled up. He is good to roll. This new information is secure forever. Well done, Peter. Have a gold star. But wait, there's more. Jesus warned them to keep quiet, not to breathe a word of it to anyone. He then began explaining things to them. It is necessary that the Son of Man proceed to an ordeal of suffering, be tried and found guilty by the elders, high priests, and religion scholars, be killed, and after three days rise up alive. He said this simply and clearly so they couldn't miss it. But Peter. Oh, Peter. Bless him. He gives me so much hope. But Peter grabbed Jesus in protest, turning and seeing his disciples wavering, wondering what to believe. Jesus confronted Peter. Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. Like, one breath, got it. Second breath, not. Turns out Peter hadn't got it at all. He'd had a momentary flash of inspiration, an epiphany, if you like, but it didn't stick. We, like Peter, can have momentary flashes of inspiration too. Anyone can. In fact, everyone can. And so, what if we asked everyone the question, who do you say that Jesus is? And instead of listening to see who has the right answer, we listen to what they say and build a bigger picture, a better picture, a broader picture. What if they're all right? What if the way that they slice it is actually a slice of it? What if our way of seeing is just that? It's just our way of seeing and not the way of seeing. So let's just keep asking the question, what if? Let's be curious together and let's listen to each other and the world around us and maybe we'll grow a little. The decorations are all down now. The wise men have been and gone, but it's still Christmas because God is with us and the spirit in us will show us how this works when we ask our questions. I hope that we've established that church is a good place to ask your questions, that this isn't a place to go to hide your questions, but it's fine. Ask them. We don't care. It helps us all. Perhaps a small group might be a safer place to do that for you, that you think, actually, this big group setting's a bit freaky. Um, and a small group might be a better way to do it. And so I hope that you'll join one of the small groups. Um, I mean, it's dark and rainy. What else are you going to do? Right? Um, so, uh, if you have a phone with you, flip open your web browser, whatever you use, uh, and just get www.thebridgeonline.ca. I heard this comedy the other day said, when did we stop? When did we realize we didn't have to say www every time? <laughs> we don't. Just thebridgeonline.ca. If you go there, um, you will see uh, the first, like, it's called a slideshow on our website, but the first one that pops up is, the, is the, uh, the path, and it says, wherever you are on the journey, you're all welcome. The next one will have Love Matters More, a six-week study. If you click that, it will take you to a page 
that lays out a little bit of what the book is about and then has a sign-up form at the bottom. Do you find it? Everybody give me a thumbs up if you see it, if, if that link worked. Hallelujah. Okay, cool. All right, so you know where to go back to later. Uh, you can close it again or sign up now, whatever. Um, I think I've got the classons dates slightly wrong. I think I started them a week early. I will fix that in the form later. But um, everybody else's dates are on there, so you can see when all the different groups are. There's a group on Tuesday night, two groups on Wednesdays, one running every week, one running every other week. There's a group on Thursday, and there's my group on Saturday. Does that make five? It's good. Does it start on the 24th? Okay, that's a week wrong. It's a week adrift. Okay, but I'll fix that later. Um, okay, so there's five groups. Tuesdays, two on Wednesdays, a Thursday, and a Saturday. So pick one that you can do, and hopefully we'll have enough space if we need to repeat or we need to add another group. I'm going to come tap us old shoulder and say, hey, could you do one too? Okay, so back to our epiphany words. I'm sorry, I got your phones out. Now you're just like, everybody's lost. Epiphany is the revelation of Jesus the Christ to the Gentiles, but the word can also mean a sudden revelation or insight. What if the word that you get now is something that you might need this coming year, like Mary and Joseph needed gold? What if the word you get now is the courage you need for the next part of your journey? What if the word you get now is hope to hold on to or something that will bring you life? Why don't we pick them? Okay. Um, Zoom people, you guys can do this too. Josh, make a count of how many you need and then just come get them and then you can give them to people randomly. <laughs> like that. Um, okay, I have the, um, the grown-ups ones. Eden, you've got gold, you can have the kids ones. Come get a word. If you don't like it, take another. Jesus, thank you for just being here all the time, showing up every Sunday and being a part of this community at all times and with each of us, no matter what our umfeld is. So we're grateful for that. And we ask that you would make your presence really obvious to us as we enter into this new year and where we might have fear or concern about things that are to come. Would you just bring us comfort and peace? Go with us today. Amen.